Hello, welcome to Spotlight, a little sunbeam of artistic joy. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, it's all about books and bursaries. We speak to the author of a new book which celebrates the tranquil beauty which are the Isle of Man's national glens. Alvin and the Guardians is a very different type of book, a fantasy aimed at young adults. And if you think you have a book in you, listen up. The latest round of bursaries from the Alman Arts Council are up for grabs, and it could be yours. Remember, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create, or would really like to put in that spotlight. Poetic, visual, theatrical, musical, literary, sculpting, you name it. There must be something to do with perfume somewhere. I don't know what it is, though. Email me, spotlight at manxradio.com, Kane at manxradio.com. I read them all. Let's get bookish. First off, who doesn't love the island's glens? From wild to tranquil, hidden gems to popular beauty spots, there's something for everyone. The Magic of the Manx Glens by Susan Jealous reflects their varying character and amenities and also highlights the continuing appeal of the semi-wild seclusion to be found in many of them. I spoke to Susan down the line from her home in the UK and she told me the glens had been a lifelong love for her. I love the Manx Glens and I've been visiting them over 40 years. My parents um, lived for all that time in the Isle of Man, so we've visited them, you know, multiple times a year with ourselves and then with the children. And actually now we come back with the grandchildren. My parents are gone, but we still visit. And uh, I've just always loved walking with those glens. I find their um, variety, wonderful natural beauty, seclusion, challenge some of them gentler others lovely places and i just feel it was a great privilege to have the opportunity to write this book to showcase them because when i wasn't allowed on the island you know during the covid year the only year i haven't been able to come um i just thought what is this book and when i came to look there was only suzanne cubbon's book which is now no longer available I thought, well, there ought to be a book showcasing these wonderful places and make them known perhaps wider than, you know, on the island itself. So I asked um, Brent Elliott, who's a a great Victorian scholar of garden history, he wrote the foreword, sort of setting these glens in their um, wider context than just what was happening on the island. So I was pleased to do that. So... a little niche in the market, I suppose you could say, something, and and it is a wonderful. Like you said, they are beautiful things on the island. Something we should be celebrating. Were you looking then to sort of do, to do a guidebook per se, or was it more a case of a book that people could pick up and perhaps read, even if they weren't actually going to the glens, just to sort of celebrate their beauty and their seclusion and and everything which is wonderful about them? You know, it's not a guidebook, and it's not a walks book. It's it's a celebration. And it's the kind of book that you can enjoy yourself. I mean, it's got wonderful um, original paintings and photographs. You can share it with um, relatives and friends exiled off the island elsewhere. Um, And it's something you can sort of go back to because the the illustrations are as important in the book as the the, the modest writing. Um, And it was just trying to show that each Glen has got its own character and something special. And, um, you know, some people would be attracted more to one than, than to the other. 
and we should exactly mention you mentioned there some of the artwork and of course there'll be some <laughs> well-known names of some of the island's best-known artists so there's photographs and paintings of works from the likes of a michael starkey and ronnie doyle uh julia ashby Smythe, all featured in there were, they, were these artists you knew or did you actually through the project come to link up with them um <clears throat> i didn't know them. tracy dean is the other one um they were introduced to me through um, Beth Martin, who's the uh, coordinator of Disability Networks, because I'm donating all the profits from the book to Disability Networks um, for their work on the island. Uh, it was a very nice story about Tracy. She had done the Waterfalls collection, the new stamps issue that came out in April, for which I was asked to write the um, the blurb for the you know the the presentation pack. And she allowed me to use some of those paintings in the book. Ronnie and Michael did original work, as did Julia. She's done the titles and the and the script. And then the photographers, Rachel Price, um, Peter Killier, Chris Martin, Beth herself, Beth Martin, all contributed their photographs um, very generously, as did Max Lateral Heritage for some of the um, historical images. So everybody did the work um, voluntarily, and it's a great collaborative Manx effort, really, to produce such a lovely book. And you're talking about the money going raised by the book going towards the uh, disability networks. Uh, obviously, going to Glens itself can be a problem if you have yeah. limited mobility. Does the book sort of highlight some of the Glens which are better than others? We try to do that. I mean, Adessa, who has, um, with Visit Isle of Man, have um, supported the printing and design of the book, are very keen to improve access and you know people who visit the glens regularly will see how how that work is is um progressing but the nature of the terrain means that you know you can't make dune glen accessible for wheelchairs or whatever so um the book just tells you which glens where you you could have a reasonable walk if you had limited mobility because the, the surface is level or if somebody was strong enough pushing a wheelchair on those gravel paths or a few of them might be possible with um, an unassisted wheelchair. And we notice where the disabled toilets are and that kind of thing. But it's um, it's very basic information. And disability networks have now put up on their website much more detailed information for people who might want to bring a disabled friend or relative to the Glen so they can check on the disability um, network's website to see you know, which Glen they're thinking of going to and what the what the problems or benefits might be. Have you had much reaction to the book so far, much uh, feedback? It's been terrific. Um, pe- people seem to have really loved it. Um, we're getting continual new orders, and um, that's what we want. We just want people to uh, love the Glens as we do through the medium of, of the book and hopefully maybe get them better known off-island so that um, some visitors might be tempted to come across and see them for themselves. Absolutely. And, of course, you, you, you live off-island yourself. Do you get to see yeah. the glens yourself as often as you'd like? It's always once or twice a year. And um, obviously, we're over in April for the launch. I'll be over in July with my grandchildren for um, a stay. So, yes, I, I walk the glens regularly and I can see the changes. Different seasons as well at different feel at different seasons isn't there so just finally then uh, i suppose the obvious thing having would you say you have a favorite of the 18 on the island i think what uh, certainly salty will and dune glen are the ones that i always think of as um, you know the challenging glens one that one that leads to the sea one's inland 
and Balaglass is a perennial favourite. Now that I'm, you know, m- maturer in years, I'm often a little bit more inclined to the gentler ones with a cup of tea at the end. So um, I- I'm hard-pressed to give you a, a single favourite. They've all got something to offer. The Magic of the Manx Glens was launched earlier this year with the Lieutenant Governor and Lady Lorimer in attendance. It's available from your favourite bookseller, I believe, or, of course, online. And as Susan says, all proceeds will be going to charity. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. From one book to another. Luke Wilson, who writes under the name Luke Quain, was born and educated on the Isle of Man and works now as a civil engineer in the UK. However, he's always been interested in writing stories and now is a published author. How good's that? Having just brought out his first book, a fantasy novel called Albin and the Guardians, aimed at young adults. He's on the Isle of Man this week, touring around some of the island's primary schools, doing workshops and trying to encourage a new generation of Manx students to put pen to paper. Or should that be finger to laptop? and discover the joy of writing for themselves. He dropped by the Spotlight studio to tell me more. Okay, listen up. I don't have a ton of time. My name is Alvin, and I don't come from the same world as you. I come from a different one, with some key differences. First of all, we have our guardians. They're kind of like our spirits, but, well, they're not really. For now, though, think of them as spirits. When we're born, they form as kind of these smoking, floating blobs. Um, They're a bit different colours for different people, but it's kind of related to your parents. No one really knows why. So it's aimed at kids about the age of, I'd say, anywhere between 10 and kind of 13, 14. It's a fantasy book uh, based in kind of a different world to ours, um, but very much inspired by the Isle of Man. Um, it's about a young kid who's, uh, has this sort of ceremony that's about to come up, um, where he will have his whole life determined and he feels that everyone around him, it's quite obvious what they're going to turn out to be, but he's very uncertain. He's very shy and doesn't quite know where he's going to fit in, in the world. And it's about, yeah, it's his struggles through that. And you mentioned it's heavily based around the Isle of Man. You're from the Isle of Man yourself. I am, yes. Um, so yeah, I was born on the Isle of Man. I was raised in Mackled. I went to Albert Road, which was mm-hmm. in Ramsey yeah, at the time. Yeah, up in Ramsey. Um, and now, then I went to uh, Ramsey Grammar School. Um, yeah, so I've been here kind of all my life, really. It's... Okay. And then, so how how was the progression from leaving school to being now a published author? Because I believe that wasn't your sort of, you didn't think, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do with my life originally. Well, I always, like at school, I was always loving writing stories yeah. and kind of that was always my favourite thing to do and probably thinking of stories when I probably shouldn't have been. But um, <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just ended up in doing science subjects, uh, which kind of led me into a career and I did a I was a geological engineer for a bit and then uh, a civil engineer kind of now. Um, but I sat down and kind of looked at what I wanted to, to do and be an author was on that list. And I realized the only reason I'm not becoming an author is because I haven't written a book. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of sat down and got to it. Yeah, easier said than done, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like a difficult process. And uh, don't get me wrong, there's been about 16 drafts before we ended up with the finished copy. But, um, yeah, it's... It's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's just been interesting to see how it all works nowadays. So this has been written basically in your spare time outside of the day job, has it? Is that the way it's worked? or uh, It has, yes. And uh, through, if I'm completely honest, 
working from home through COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yes, uh, in my spare time, um, I've been, uh, yeah, I've written this uh, book. I've really, yeah, it's been a great hobby of mine. It's It's been fun. And so had, had the sort of seeds of the book been in your head or was it something you were saying, you sat down and thought, you know what, I'm not going to become an author unless I actually write something and publish something. So did you already have the seeds in your head of what you wanted to write about or did you actually, as you say, when you first thought, okay, I'm going to do it, was it then that the sort of the idea for Albin and the Guardians came about? Well, I kind of, it was been more when I was a teenager, if I'm honest, because I remember quite specifically one TT week. Um, I think I was doing some exams of some sort and I needed a bit of a break. So I went for a walk around Blur Reservoir mm-hmm. and um, I went up into um, the kind of forest above the reservoir. And through all the noise that was kind of buzzing around me because of the bikes and everything during TT, I got into the middle of the forest and it was just completely silent. And it kind of like made a really effect on me then that I, no one knows I'm here. I don't know anyone else is anywhere else. And it was just this nice idea that you can just live in the middle of this kind of like tranquil forest um, and have absolutely no idea what is directly outside of you. Um, and that's kind of where the setting of the story kind of came about. And then, you know, in school, I always fantasized about um, being whisked off um, to some magical ra- um, world and to do some magical task uh, during my school time. So that's kind of how the story starts. And getting it actually published then? Because, again, it's one thing, as you say, coming up with the idea. It's another thing then spending the time getting the words down on paper or on the laptop or whatever the case may be. I take it it's on a laptop rather than pen and paper these days. It was, yeah. (laughs) But then actually getting it out there, was that difficult? Um, It was, actually. And I went about it thinking that the industry kind of still worked the way it kind of is more famous for working with, like, more famous authors like J.K. Rowling and Mm. whoever. Um, They, say, got publishing companies to... uh, work for them um, and stuff like that whereas nowadays the industry more relies on you publishing it yourself and proving to a company that you can um, kind of essentially make them money uh, before they will consider doing that job for you Um, and I think it was it was quite a long process for us to work that out um, because there was just there's no like guide online that tells you that's the way it is now Um, and yeah it was Quite a fun experience, but uh, definitely there was a lot of learning to ha- be had. And uh, yeah, we had to work things out as we went along and go through different illustrators and stuff like that for front covers. And Okay. Yeah. And how did you settle on your illustrator? Because it is an illustrated uh, book, I take it, and that's sort of, you know, you've got the pictures with the, with the text as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, we found one um, online and um, we like viewed the portfolio and it all looked great. So they said that they could deliver the final product within um, a few weeks, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, that was probably the most stressful few weeks of the process um, because it turned out that the pictures they'd submitted weren't actually the ones they could draw. They were just ones they thought they could draw. Um, and I don't know, maybe there was, because it was online and I've actually met them in person, maybe there was a language barrier. Um, but they just seemed to not quite understand what I was asking for. And it was like daily messaging to kind of be like, oh no, can you please change that? And actually, that's not what I meant. And um, little things like that. But we got there in the end and I'm I'm very happy with what it is now. <laughs> oh, terrific. And you're here on the Isle of Man now doing a little tour. So what, going around schools, doing some workshops, what's actually happening on this sort of tour on the island by here? Yes, so we're visiting... Um, we're visiting a few schools on the island, um, kind of a few different year groups, kind of focusing on year fives and sixes. Um, we're doing workshops where they can 
uh, come up with what type of guardian they've got, which is more to do with the story. We're doing readings uh, with them and um, a competition where they can design their own front cover um, and hopefully win a prize from us. Um, yeah. Hey, well, everyone likes a prize. Yeah. And have you been getting good response? Because I suppose, I, I mean, I don't have kids myself, but you, you might think now if you look around the media these days, see what children sort of do a lot of the time, it all seems to be basically, yeah, you get your phone and it's constantly on various platforms. Do they still engage with the written word in you know in traditional book format? Um, they really seem to, yeah. Um, I've had quite a few of the kids that we've seen at the minute uh, kind of come up and just say that they can't, like for actual books, they can't read it on a screen. They have yeah. to have the physical copy. Well, I'm, I'm um, with them there, I must admit. Oh, yeah. oh same, yeah. I, I can't read a device. <laughs> it's very comforting to know that the, sort of the next generation coming along are thinking that way. I thought it was just me being an old fart. But, no, yeah. I think like screens and that are good for like a few 10-second videos and things like that. But yeah, yeah. I think you need... A copy to get properly invested. Yeah, yeah to get for me to, anyway. Yeah, to get in there. And so they are buying into it. They're enjoying that. So yeah, terrific stuff. If you, it sounds like you're enjoying it, and it's been a great success. They all sort of say now that you know, have you got the bug now? Do you feel now <laughs> that you've got one copy out? Could there be more album of the Guardians? Album of the Guardians two or a follow-on sequel, prequel? Uh, that is the plan. So currently there are four um, in total for Albin, um in the works. Um, hopefully coming out yearly just before christmas is kind of generally the plan um but yeah i've got ideas for kind of other worlds and i would like to continue writing like i am yeah. um and trying out new things and giving it a go but i mean we'll have to see <laughs> how it well goes. it goes yeah. yeah could you see yourself being a full-time writer or do you think it's going to remain as a like you say early mornings late evenings or whatever the case may be oh i mean that would be my all-time dream yeah. <laughs> full-time author but uh you'd have to see how this tour goes and then how everything goes from then on terrific uh, people want to get hold of the book. How do they do that? That's the most important thing. They'll want to read it, see what it's all about. How do they get hold? So they can get a copy towards the end of the week in Waterstones in Strand Street. Or if you're one of the kids in the schools we're visiting, um, they can get little order forms and order them through the school. And I think they'll probably get them quicker that way. Wonderful stuff. They say everyone has a book in them, of course. So if you think that's you, whether it be fiction, a book about the island's natural heritage, poetry... If you're looking for funding to help your idea bloom into reality, stay tuned. The latest round of the Alaman Arts Council bursaries are underway from those wonderful folk at the Alaman Arts Council. Arts team arts administrator, that's a snappy title if ever I heard one, Zoe Shuttleworth gave me the lowdown on the bursaries and the student bursaries. The student bursaries are on an annual basis um, and they come up around uh, May time we launch them. The deadline for those is the 23rd of June, as with this particular funding round as well. Um, but this year for the student bursaries, we have up to six available, whereas uh, previous years we've only had three. So that's exciting this year. OK, and so what sort of stuff are we talking about if people are thinking, you know, well, they might be interested in applying? What sort of stuff could be considered for these bursaries? Uh, for the students, it mm. would be uh, people going to do, like, uh, graduate courses, um, like in anything any art form really we've had dancers apply we've had drama students music students um people that sing anything really in the arts okay and what sort of sort of grants are we talking about are we hundreds or in the, in the low thousands or uh, is, is there a set amount uh, yeah it's ten thousand per bursary per bursary yeah yes. okay depending on, on what the actual bursary is as it were uh, well yeah there's mm -hmm. um so the, the six that are available there's the uh isle of man arts council bursary uh, which is for £10,000. Mm -hmm. There's the Jonathan Gallo bursary for £10,000 and the um, Norman Sale award 
uh, which is for £10,000 as well. And then there's three additional £10,000 bursaries up for for grabs, really. <laughs> and and is the process... Is it difficult? Is it complicated to actually apply? No, and um, if anyone is struggling with the process, we are here to help. Um, you know, just call us. Um, it's all online, um, and basically the application forms online guide you through what documents we require. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, then, yeah, just, just really sell yourself. That's what they're okay. looking for. And the people yeah. in the first instance then, do they would they find the details to sort of put in for the application what, via the website or they need to ring or what's the best plan? Um, via the website but if, if they are struggling to locate it then just give us a ring because there's always someone there to help. And, yes. and do any of them, do they need to sort of report back on what they've been doing with their yes, bursary money? Yes, we do ask um, we do ask for sort of them to keep in touch mm-hmm. with us and like um, Ali and my colleague she'll send you know Q&A's that we can feature on our socials and things. So we like to, you know, sort of promote what everybody's up to and say, look, it's really great what they're doing. You could do that too. Come and apply. Come and get out there. Absolutely. So that's the student bursaries. The funding awards then, the general funding, where are we in the rounds for those? So it's currently open Mm -hmm. um, and applications for this next funding round close on the 23rd of June. And this is sort of wide open to anyone? Yeah, this is absolutely anybody, yep, anybody on the island. And how much sort of detail, because again, you often look at this and you can imagine a lot of people hearing these and thinking, oh, I don't know, but being a bit worried, they might have an idea, it might be a bit wacky, they might not have it, you know, costed out or have it. How detailed does it actually need to be for them to come here? Or or can they sort of come with with a, you know, the notion of an idea and say, I'm thinking of doing this? Yeah, they can come and talk to us Um, in the first instance. We we usually recommend that if you're not, you know, if if it's not 100% where you'd kind mm-hmm. of expect it to be come and talk to us um, and then we can guide guide you through it we can say whether we think the council would you know because there's certain things obviously the council don't fund so if you have that included in your idea then we'd be able to say that part of it leave that out and then you know, mm-hmm. make the application as strong as possible and this can be anything in anything again from sort of dance to music to wanting to publish a book or poetry or whatever absolutely yeah yeah if you want to put on an exhibition if you're a painter or like you say publishing books we've had poets come to us you know um that want to put on maybe a performance or something or you know music societies um anything people that want equipment um for home studios, that sort of thing. And who actually, from from your point of view in the Arts Council, how is it actually decided? Is, is there a sort of a group who sits and goes through each application? It's the council members. It is the council yeah. members so themselves. We as the officers would uh, sort of check that every document that's required is there and then we would, you know, give applicants an, an opportunity to provide missing information um, and then it, it just go it goes to the council members to make the decision. They're very popular and they're getting more and more popular each funding round as well. Yeah, and I know it makes all the difference, particularly in, in you know many areas of art where without some of these funding rounds, some of these things would, would never get off the ground. As you say, some of the exhibitions or, again, the number of times I see poets here who have brought out a collection and I think it's only happened because they've got, they've got a grant. Yeah, and it's great and it's lovely to see that, you know, to be able to enable people to do their passion projects is great it's it's probably the best bit of the job i think terrific so just give us those details again if you want to get in touch with either for the student bursaries or the funding awards the first or best address to go to uh, so it's iom arts council at gov.im if you want any information from us and um iomarts.com for the website and if you want to call us um, it's 694598 what are you waiting for don't forget 
If you didn't get those details, the podcast of Spotlight will be available straight after this show is finished. You can download it or listen again and get all the gen you need. Go on, do it. You know you want to. That's about it for this week. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to maxradio.com, download the Spotlight podcast, as I suggested, listen where and when you want. Why not try it whilst looking for dolphins off the Marine Drive? Who knows? They may listen via DAB, Dolphin Audio Broadcasting. See you next week when we'll be catching up with Queer Manx poet Simon Mandrell and have the latest of our art gallery walkarounds. Look after yourselves and whatever you're doing. Be creative about it. Cheerio. Cheerio.